0: How's it going everybody and welcome to episode number 84 of Mastering My Garden Podcast. Now this is going out as a bonus episode. We normally release a new episode every Friday, but this week uh, it's a bonus one as I say and it's covering the topic of mid-season tomato care. The reason I said I'd do this one is that I've seen quite a bit of, I suppose there's a bit of debate around the pruning of tomatoes and how much pruning should be done. And then I also see a lot of people struggling with disease at this stage of the year and others talking about crops not being what they have been in other years so there's a load, good few questions that sort of fall under the mid-season tomato care sort of bracket so um, I I bring it on Sil Dial from Wilton Gardens in Wexford and Sil I've known for a long long time one of the best tomato growers that I've seen around the place uh, he runs a, a nursery garden centre and I suppose commercial tomato operation just outside in and uh, as i say one of the best tomato growers i used to love going down there and uh, you know you get the tomatoes they were some of the best ta- tasting ones they've ever had but he knows his tomatoes knows all these sort of questions so it's, i thought it would be a, a great man to bring on and, and answer these questions so Sal, you're very very welcome to master my garden podcast
1: okay thanks john for inviting me onto the program um. Yes, a good wild tomato grower, um, our nursery is based in County Wexford. We're a small nursery, but we do many different types of um, plants. And um, the great thing about it is that we also propagate tomato plants for garden centres. We sell to garden centres. And over the last number of years, we've quite a big range of tomato varieties, from plum to cherry to yellow and beefsteak. And so many amateur growers have a big selection now to pick from. Yeah, And um, it's very important to start clean and stay clean. Like I was talking about disease problems there and that. That's true, like um, the Dutch always had a philosophy that 1% loss in life is 1% loss in yield. So it's very important in January, February to clean your glass and tunnels and glass houses and polycarbonate structures. Yeah, so that's actually water. something
0: you, you, you don't think of. So I see people with blight trouble now, but you're you're thinking of the conditions today. But that's an important point is what you're saying. Start clean with the house in the springtime. And while they can't do anything about it now, it's a good thing to bear in mind as they look ahead to next year.
1: Yes, because January, February is a very easy time to remove that dirt because the algae just washes off very easily. But if you leave it till March and April, it sticks to the glass and you get a scrub brush and you take it off. So do it when it's well, Christmas time. I do it just after the Christmas turkey to work off the excess fat. <laughs> and um, it's yeah. a great way to get started, right? Yeah.
0: So, so you're saying you're saying clean clean the outside of the glass, clean the outside of the polythene tunnel to allow light levels in. But you're also saying yeah. dis- disinfect inside in the house.
1: Correct. So yeah. we're off to a clean start. Then. Okay. Then we go. Some people love to sow their own seeds. So mid-February. You can sow your own seeds, different varieties, and you can sow it's nice to sow them inside in the house where you have a bit of heat inside the dwelling house, but try and use a, a little bit of light. These new LED lights are fantastic. Yeah. To keep the plant lovely and short and stocky. That makes a good bushy plant then. And then we would like when you try to wean them off, you bring them out into your glass your cold glass The best time to plant tomato plants out in the cold greenhouse is mid April.
0: Yeah. That's a common mistake as well. I know. I know we're kind of looking ahead to next year, but that is a massively a, a mistake that I see a lot of people making. Trying to get tomatoes going too early and getting them into a tunnel too early.
1: Yeah, people try to go for patches there, which is completely crazy. You go, you go about mid-April, and if you like, throw a bit of fleece over them to get them lovely and snug. And you, and if you're running out to work, you don't need to take off the fleece. You can leave the fleece on day and night at that time of the year, just against that. Yeah,
0: just until you get into May, I guess.
1: Yeah, 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 and then you can yeah. let them off. Now, I like preferably, I always like to string the tomato plant rather than bamboo them yeah. because the weight load is on the string and they don't slip down the bamboo then and break. So
0: yeah. it's nice to stringed yeah, string them. Yeah, stringing, I suppose we might as well give it a good description. And that's what I do myself. I string them. Uh, so when I when I pot, and I, and I pot mostly into the ground, I have a few in pots just as a kind of a trial. But as when I put the tomato into the ground i put the string directly under the base of where the where the plant is and then pull it up to the crop wire so that the as the tomato roots in it actually holds the string in place tight is that what yes. you guys would do
1: that's exactly correct exactly so it's hanging out the string from the crop wire and you twist the plant around the string and off you go you start side shooting yeah and they start to grow now you talk about pots there and ground Preferably an amateur grower, I would always prefer them to use the soil, mix in a bit of compost when you're planting into soil and it up, plant in, because soil is always a great buffer. If the plant is thirsty, it'll always run and look for more moisture, whereas yeah. when it's in a pot, when the pot dries out, that's it. Yeah, you know, especially if you're using in peat there. in the pot. Exactly. Yeah. And with these new peat-free composts coming on board, they're much more free of draining. And you run into loads of problems trying out, and you'd always ask your neighbor or friend to water them when you're gone off to Landrahi or some holiday, and it never happens. It never be <laughs> watered where you like it. To yeah, yeah. Uh, the,
0: yeah. The one thing I found uh, so I, I have a couple in pots just kind of doing a comparison, and it's almost what I expected to happen. At the very, very start, the pot ones did marginally, and it's not a lot, but marginally better because I guess you're getting the heat around the black pot above the ground so possibly the root zone gets a bit hotter or warmer quicker as uh, so, so i noticed that a marginal difference that the ones in the pots were better at the very very start but to be honest with you since then there is no comparison the ground ones all day long much easier to mind and actually better tasting fruit on them and more fruit
1: Yes, that would sound absolutely correct. And um you range problems, are like you talking about disease and problems? But the thing which I get a very often asked there, people come in with this black scab on the bottom of a tomato. And that's known as blossomendra. And people say to me, what's gone wrong? And I said, that's blossomendra. It's a lack of calcium getting out to the tip of the fruit. Okay. But that happens when the fruit is very, very young. And if the plants dry out once the little feeding roots to bring the calcium out to the plant, are killed and the calcium doesn't get out to, to the throat, even though you're feeding calcium in your liquid feed. Okay. It doesn't get out because the little roots are killed. And
0: so that's so, th- that's that black uh, yeah, that you see around the base.
1: Yeah, on the base of the a the black scab, and yeah, it yeah. it's known as blossom Endro. And it can happen with high humidity as well, which I'll talk about now shortly. It's just that we we've, we're just talking about growing media and growing yeah. media. I still prefer the soil.
0: Yeah, without a so, doubt, I, I've. I have found that this year and yeah, looking at the comparison between the two. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then we go along then when the plant is growing, like it's very important. The pollen on a small plant in the bloom is only viable for 36 hours. If that pollen is not, if that little plant or that blossom is not shaking um, every every second day, you don't get a proper pollination. So the small plant is a self-pollinator. It doesn't need a bee to bring the pollen from different blooms. All it needs is the bee to land onto the, onto the flower and shake a little bump. Right. And he will pollinate. So you can do that manually by just hitting it with a little brush or just hitting it with your hand and it'll vibrate and the pollen is released.
0: Okay, so the pollen is only valid for, for 36 hours after the flower opens. It opens, yeah. So if if, for example, you had a house that was sealed up and you weren't getting any movement or you hadn't got bees or any other pollinators in around the house and you yep. weren't out there for a day or two Chances are that they won't, they won't get pollinated.
1: They won't develop at all. The only little pea-sized fruit, or they might even be pea-sized, fruit. right? Yeah, it just yeah. won't grow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's very, very important to have the shade.
0: So a little, little shake, or if you're lucky enough to have bees and that in around the house, you're okay. Yep,
1: yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. And then we go down along the line. Then when you have them up and grow in your water and then the little blooms are open and the little fruits are swelling. And now for the first six weeks, generally you just use plain water. But once you get the little fruits developing, you start liquid feeding. And you liquid feed about once a week open to twice a week. Twice a week is about normal for the amateur grower in soil. They're happy enough to get fed twice a week. And you do that right up until the finish cropping.
0: So you're feeding twice a week all the time. All the time, up until, yeah. up until the very end of the crop, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, at this time of the year, then just well, I suppose side shoot removal. A yeah. lot of people know what they're doing here, but just for somebody that doesn't, just tell us what, what you're exactly doing there,
1: right? When you plant a plant first, you always remove the side shoots. The side shoots develop where the main where the leaves touch the main stem. Yeah. In that little leaf axle, you remove the little side shoots, And you remove them when you're comfortably able to pinch them out with your fingers. Don't be rooting for them like with a tweezers. Wait for them to get to about an inch yeah. or three centimetres long, two to three centimetres long, and you break them apart half. Yeah. Now, you remove them up along all the way up until the plant reaches the very final stage. Now, what can happen, which people get very confused about, and it does happen, I see, even though you've removed some of the bottom ones, some more can come back down there at the very bottom and yeah. get a few snake away on you because they're down there hid among the leaves. You've got to remove them as well. Yeah. And they can give you air around the plant. And as you go up, as the plant grows up and you reach the, the top of the crop wire or mid-July, when you pinch out the head of that plant, you will see a lot of side shoots very vigorously because she's trying to make a new head again and you pinch out the original one. Yeah. So you want to always watch this time of the year for extra shoots.
0: Yeah. And that, that's something you said off air that I'm not sure that everybody will be aware of. So at this time of the year, well, actually a little, little bit earlier, you're saying kind of the end of July, you're recommending yeah. that people actually pinch, pinch out the head altogether to allow yes. what fruit is there to fill to out and to yeah. and to ripen. Yes,
1: correct. Now, what you'll find as well, which I find great, is that in Larry years, the increase in cherry varieties are fantastic because cherry tomatoes will space the fruit out on the truss, yeah. big, long hanks. Yeah. Whereas the older moneymakers, Altie Craig and Alicante, they're on top of one another. And this is the thing we haven't talked about is high humidity. Okay. See, when your, when your tomato crop is growing during the summer, don't forget daylight starts at half four or five in the morning. Yeah. And people suddenly say, oh, I didn't open my polytunnel. And they go out after their breakfast around half, nine or ten o'clock. Well, a lot of the damage has been done because sunlight has to being roasted in the tunnel. The glass has, and the high humidity builds up. And then you get, what happens is that uh, the fruit will get condensation up because the house will warm up quicker than the fruit. Yeah. That's the, that's the so that's a doing science. You'll always find the um, matter heats lower than the air. Yeah, and yeah. then you get this disease, is coming on the fruit and um, borthritis because of the the condensation on the fruit. But when you've got the cherries, they're so well spaced out, the fruit don't touch one another. So the condensation dries off much easier.
0: Okay. So essentially what you're saying is if, if your house is not side ventilated or, or in va- ventilated, you want to get those those doors and vents open as early as possible in the morning time.
1: Exactly. Um like we with terminology we use in growing sometimes with computer control, we thing we call as cracking the vents. And so we could have a night where the vents could be open ten percent a very small amount and even though the heating is on a bit, the plant is transpiring, it's breathing. So I would recommend for any amateur gardener, don't be closing up your tunnel and glasses completely at night time. Leave a little bit of air on, just a gap. Yeah. To let that little bit of air move. Um, through the house and um, people have this thing of closing up the tunnel, and want to ripen them as quick as they can. That's completely the wrong approach because high humidity can cause a lot more damage than slow ripening.
0: Yeah, and I suppose that's the biggest struggle and you see it at this time of the year. People have had, you know, they've got on good with their tomatoes up until this point and now they have some fruit coming on and it can change very quickly at this time of the year. So disease for prevention what do you recommend at this time of the year to make sure that they're keeping the fruit that they have clean?
1: Yeah, a lot of people, there's just more, when people want to go more organically, that just keep plenty of air movement through the house. And even sometimes people might have a little fan or something like that helps you as well. But don't close up your tunnel. Like, you wouldn't want to close up your tunnel glasses until the temperatures might kind of get down to 7 degrees. And most of these nights we're on the temperature of 9 to 12. So don't be closing up the glasses. That would my best um, advice the people that are in the amateur stages leave that bit of a gap on the vent you know and it's very important now another mistake too just when i have a note here just on my mind people ring me up and they say oh white fly on my tomato plants and 90 percent of the time 95 percent of the time that's never white fly it's usually green fly and what happens is that when the green fly is hatching he leaves a little white scale of an egg behind them yeah. and um i just tell people you shake the plant the white won't move so that's just to say you've green fly in that white fly but like when you have green fly cause diseases as well you know
0: yeah okay uh, in terms of and this is you know i suppose where i started to think that it was it was something that needed to be covered in an episode in terms of pruning because i know pruning is is something that commercial growers do a lot um they all do it. They're they pruning the leaves off off the plant completely as it comes up along. But I've seen some sort of home gardeners recently, and and I do I do it myself. But I I see some of them, and I think they're going too harsh. So maybe we'll we'll clarify that because what I do and is as a as a leaf as a truss of of fruit develops above a leaf, I'll take off that leaf below it. Or if one looks in any way discolored or like it's on the turn and is of no benefit to the plant, I take it off. But I see some people and they have literally every leaf except for the grown tip gone off them. And to me, that looked like it was too harsh. But what is the correct way to prune tomatoes? Oh.
1: Right. When your tomato plants are growing up and you're getting to the stage where the first process you think is going to start, right? And you will remove a few leaves to let some air circulation in to help yeah. to ripen. Now, you should always try and remove your leaves in the morning. Now, you do this of a Saturday or Sunday morning when you're off work. So you go out to your polytunnel and if you go in around 10 o'clock or that or and you cut them. It's nice to cut them with a clean knife sometimes. People break them off, you can snap them off with a clean cloth nice. But yeah. the reason for doing it in the morning is that that wound of all day to dry up. Yeah. Whereas if you do it in the evening time, we're getting into condensation, humidity, and that little wound can get into a bit of a scab, a bit of a fester, and you can have a disease bar price can sit in. So try and do your, um, Prune sorry, in, the morning your time. in the morning time the way it dries up and that then makes sense. yes certainly at the moment you'd want half the plant the leaves on it like if you have a plant there and it's running on about two meters high well you should have a half a meter you're sorry you should still have about a meter of leaves on that plant still you yeah. shouldn't be you shouldn't be plucking the leaves off right up to the head because she has a manufacturer food yeah well that, well.
0: that was uh that was what prompted this as i say I, I was having a discussion with someone online a few weeks ago about this and and I felt looking at a lot of the people who were putting up pictures of the tomatoes, that they were skinning them way too much. Um, yes. uh, now, uh, I was probably doing it a little bit too little based on what you've just said, but I, I literally saw tomato plants with, with notting only the, the the top leaf on it. And I just said that, like, just doesn't look right to me. Yeah.
1: Well, I've seen my own, I've seen my, I I have my own little glasses in my own house here and, there's no bother for me here to get tomato tomatoes for the kids' lunch boxes in November there because particularly the cherry ones, the trusses up in the head of the plant. Sometimes I would let two or three side shoots develop and I would pinch them after I see yellow blossoms and I get a few extra trusses up in the head of the plant. It's okay. a little bit yeah, you have to read the plant a bit to see if you can support a few extra ones. But there's no there's no problem getting cherry tomatoes up in November there from a plant with with nice healthy leaves on it. Um,
0: swelling the throat yeah and um, tidying up around the so anytime you're cutting off any leaves or if there's any debris on the ground you're better off to get them out of there aren't you let let air flow around it, but also not not let any botrytis or anything build up on those leaves on the ground get rid of all those out of there
1: yeah boris is one of the biggest disease problems in tomato crop mildew is not a problem in ireland but um definitely you've got to get that debris out of the house completely. Don't let it decay there because you can develop a thing called ghost spot, which is a little tiny ring develops yeah. on the fruit and that uh-huh. happens with the condensation with the spore from the barbitis. Yeah. It could get very technically going into it, describing some of these things, but basically hygiene is very important in tomato.
0: Yeah. In in terms of if somebody is in mid season now and they have blight um on the plants all is not lost really, but what should they be doing to try and maximise what they do have if they've already got got blight?
1: I would go out with the scissors and the box and I Prune off the little bad bits off the leaves with the scissors and tidy them all up and keep an air movement in the house or keep the door open and window open. Keep water feeding and never, never go and water the plants with a hose. The plants should be always dry, just water the ground. Some yeah. people come in and they spray the whole plant like right? that's that's not the way you look after the mall there's It's foliage dry, ground moist.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Um, yeah, there's lots of little tips on how to water there little bottles and things like that. Don't work very well. And there was certain things there, ring cultures and stuff like that. And they're very good, you know?
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, you said you're growing a huge amount of varieties. Um, what's your favourite variety, just as a matter of interest?
1: Um, it's funny, I've been growing them out a long time and there's um, one round little cherry planting called Congenta. And it's a fantastic variety. It's a very commercial variety, it's about 50 or 60 cents for one seed. But it's one of the best varieties I've ever grown. The very major turn back, it's gone off on you. It just grows so fast. It can support side shoots to get an extra truss here and there and the flavour is fantastic. It's around congenta. Congenta C O N congenta or something like that. But it's bred by Dutch company.
0: Yeah, and you that knows a lot of varieties, I grew two two this year that I haven't grown before. Uh, just see have you any experience with them one is mountain magic and the other is honeymoon and i find the honeymoon absolutely gorgeous uh definitely up there with the nicest tomato
1: i've ever eaten right no i've never come across them see yeah the big commercial growers are using piccolo on these yeah i've seen piccolo yeah but like what i would like to say at at, at this conversation is that like you know we've seen global warming happen you've seen high temperatures in spain and I would always like people to always stay in touch with food in their own um, garden because, you know, if the day I come for Spain, the temperature of 40 to 46 degrees at present, and if these imports or exports of peppers and all this food doesn't reach Ireland, it's always nice to look out in their backyard and say, oh, I'm going to have my few cherry tomatoes for my lunch with a bit local uh, cheddar cheese. <laughs> yeah, and but it's better
0: for you as well. Like, the, Like, there's no that, question. I'm sure there's there's good produce being produced all around the world but you really can't get anything better than what's grown well local first but better again grown in the back garden because you're, you you just have no loss of of uh no loss of nutrients at all so it's you know it's going to be top top class and and healthy you won't get anything healthier and to be honest with you it, it tastes better than like I genuinely these tomatoes this year and <laughs> my wife was slagging me during the week because i'm after saying it about 50 times how nice the tomatoes are but they are actually just top class like i'm literally walking up and down the house eating maybe 10 or 15 every time i go in there but they're absolutely gorgeous
1: yes correct and just uh, getting away from the lag just shortly there but i've about 18 sweet corn plants ready to harvest i shortly the next three weeks and i read an article one time where you should boil the water and run from your garden into the pot to get the 100% flavour from your sweet corn right so as you say the flavour is in your own <laughs> yeah
0: for sure Sil <laughs> <Still, laughs> as I said it's uh, I, I knew that you'd have the answers to those uh, those those tomato sort of questions and, and be able to give people the tips for mid-season mid-season plant care you've been you've, you've been doing it for a long time uh, in Wilton Gardens I know you're you're starting to get active on Instagram and so on, so maybe tell people where they can find you.
1: Yes, um, the younger generation are coming up here now and they're on this Instagram thing, which <laughs> I don't have much to do, but they're always looking for me to look good and speak good. So we're on Wilton Gardens is our Instagram um, um, name, and we try and keep more sewing to our crop and right through. And next year is going to be a big swing over to the new coconut fiber, the car. Which is going to be our new growing media, so we yeah. hope for a very interesting subject on that next year. Yeah,
0: and yeah, you're telling this story the whole way through, and uh, yeah. as I said at the very start, I, I've known you a long time, and one of the best one of the best growers uh, that I've come across in my travels. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been a great chat. Uh, as I say, Thanks. all the answers answered brilliantly. I think the keys are to, you know, as you said. Keep the keep the house ventilated, and even looking ahead to next year, try and get those dates right. Try and get your house clean inside and out, starting off, and then you'll have every every success with your tomatoes. So, Sale, it's been a, a great chat, and thank you very very much for coming on Master My Garden podcast.
1: Thanks very much, John. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So that's
0: been this week's short episode, a bonus episode, as I said. Uh, I as I say, I know Sale a long time. Wilton Gardens, really good growers of family heritage down there and uh, as i say one of the best growers i've seen of tomatoes so there was a bit of, i won't call it a debate but i was having a conversation with someone about the pruning aspect of it and i knew that we'd get the correct answers there so hopefully that covers it all if you're enjoying the podcast please share with all your gardening friends and you can find me on social channels it's instagram and facebook at mastermygarden and that's been this week's bonus episode thanks for listening and until the next time happy garden <music>